That was an amazing dynamic of worship and prophecy from uh, uh, Marty Cassidy and Ann Tate. I mean, I have to say, the people here seek the Lord to hear what he's saying. Now, before we go further for the full message of right now, it's not just about what's happened in history, what's happened in Israel, what could happen about this time, but it's about what can happen in your life. Amber Pierce uh, is going to share with you what she's been through, how she's moved forward through some narrow places. It's very touching. It's going to touch your heart. And, uh, and then after Amber shares, you're going to hear Michelle uh, Hadley sing that God can do it again for you. It, he is no respecter of persons. He can get you through. Then you're going to hear Robert Heidler give one of the best messages you would ever hear on coming through the narrow place and into the dire straits, that thing that would squeeze the life out of you, God's about to break you into enlargement. Enter in as Amber, Michelle, and Robert lead you in the latter portion of this service. So as we've come through the dire straits, I just want to um, talk to you about uh, some things that I've gone through in my life and some things I've really had to press past um, and really some things I feel like that I've gotten tied up in my family and in my heart over this past week. Um, it's been an incredibly difficult week for me. I mean, I'll share what the Lord showed me in it and some scriptures, but um, one of my sisters uh, got married and she married someone in this family and the majority of the family was not invited to the wedding. And it just felt like every single limb was being pulled off my body. It was, it was like just being on a yo-yo for the past couple months, knowing that this was going to happen. And so we finally come through it, and um, I just wanted to share what the Lord has shown me through it. Um, we moved to Israel 10 years ago, and when I went there, my family was still intact. I still had the majority of my blood relatives. You know, where I come from down in South Louisiana, we are taught blood is thicker than water. You know, your family is your blood. And in this ministry, we really have, we have a different concept of family. And it's been so hard for me to really, um, to learn this. And the Lord says this in the word, um, whenever, uh, some of the disciples are looking for Yeshua. He says, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother, Matthew 12, 50. So this has been really a hard concept for me to grasp. It's taken me, I would say, 10 years to get it. And um, so I just, uh, I feel like the Lord's really showed me that the um, your family is the people that you will uh, war with. And who will war alongside of you. Um, whenever you have a call, like some of us do, or like Daniel and I going to Israel, majority of your family probably won't understand that, and they won't be able to support it. And um, in my family, there were just always lots of issues surrounding that, the fact that we were gone, that people felt like it was unsafe, um, just didn't really understand what we were doing. 
Whereas when we had some family members say on uh, the peer side of the family who maybe, um, who maybe didn't have the same call, but they were able to understand it and support it and pray for us and celebrate the call that we had. And so <clears throat> it's just um, been an incredibly uh, hard seven years coming through some of the family things that I've, ha I've had to go through. Um, most of you know that um, my childhood was very, very difficult and my mother wasn't able to take care of us. And, you know, I think a mother is, is really, they are really, um, their job is to keep a family together. And my mom wasn't able to do that. And so there's a lot of um, fractures in our family foundation. And, um, uh, you know, with my mother dying four years ago and then my father just dying, I think it's been four and a half uh, months ago, I have really had to just look at all this and go, where did my family go? How did I lose my whole family? And all the way, uh, Chuck and Pam uh, have been saying, we're your family. Can't you see that? God gave you a family. And, and I've, I've known that in my head, but I don't know why it's taken me so long. But it's taken me all this time to really see that this is my family. Um, not just because we're related, but this is who God has put in my life to support my future, um, my call. I have brothers, sisters here in this ministry who, um, who, who understand we all we're in the same battle. We have the same call together. We have the same uh, purposes and goals, and that's really what makes up a family. I had a few other things I wanted to show you. Um, as this was so painful for me, the Lord spoke to me um, <clears throat> that he can take your pain and he can make it somebody else's gain. And that's why I wanted to share this with you because I know that I'm not the only person who goes through some of these massively painful, terrible uh, family matters and, and feeling rejected by your family. Um, I know that so many of you have been hurt and wounded by your family and just trying to maneuver how, how you do that through the kingdom of God. You know, it's hard because we all want restoration. And when we look at our family, we want our families to be restored. But that's not, that's unfortunately not what the Bible says will happen. When I first got to Israel, um, I think it was Charlotte Mercer Brock who actually said that, sent me the scripture because I was really kind of grieving some of the past and um, going there was much harder than we ever thought it would be. But she had sent me verse Ma uh, Matthew uh, 19, 29, and she'd said, the Bible says this, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. So some of you may not be leaving your country, but whenever you're doing the will of your father, you will be blessed. You'll be blessed a hundredfold and you will inherit eternal life. I think that's all the message that I have for you today. But I just want to encourage you that if, if, you, if you're in pain, any kind of pain, or if you have pain over family matters, family um, rejection, your pain is really his problem. That's the problem of of Jesus and you can roll all of your cares on him and he can take your pain. The Bible says that um, he endured the pain of the cross for the joy that was set before him. That, that, that verse is always on the forefront of my mind um, and 
you know, his, his joy, it was our eternity, it's our healing, it's our salvation, it's our freedom, it's all of those things. That's his joy. And so I just want to thank you for letting me talk to you today. And I just want you to be blessed, and I want you to be healed if you're in pain. We're coming through this narrow place. We were hoping you'd be able to uh, be here with us this Sunday for this first fruits. But I think it's a God thing. I think the Lord is, is pushing us through another two weeks. You can see they are working as hard as they can to bring us into a new place. This is your new visitor center that when the minute you walk in, you're going to see it. You're going to be welcomed. You're going to have all your questions answered. We are in the process of making this shift. And I can tell you the real thing that's going to change is one of the things that's happening is instead of the pulpit being the pastor, I see the voice of the church changing. I see us coming into a more full expression of what the Lord's doing. I so appreciate your giving. Now, when you're giving this month, just as Michelle just saying, you're breaking off any limitations of faith that you can even think of. You're giving into what God is able to do. Beyond yourself, you're going beyond. I decree right now that this offering right now that you're giving for this month will push you beyond the place you presently are. We love you. Hello, welcome to our first fruit celebration for the month of Av. Biblically, every month is a new prophetic season. And in biblical times, the Jews would meet at the start of every month for a special celebration to give their first fruits offering for the month and to uh, listen to see what the prophets are saying about the month ahead. Because they knew if they could stay in step with the Holy Spirit moving through the year, they could prosper in any season. And that's what we do at Glory of Zion. Every month we have a special celebration where we give first fruits, where we celebrate, where we praise the Lord, and where we come together to hear what God is saying about the season that we're in. And so today we're looking at the month of Av, and the message is the month of Av 2020 coming out of the dire straits Inheriting the promise with Caleb and Rahab. You know, in the biblical calendar, we are in the month of Av. The Jews call Av the time of the dire straits. Now, what is a dire strait? Well, the word dire means causing great fear, dreadful, or terrible, or indicating trouble, disaster, or misfortune. The word straight means a narrow passage or a position of difficulty, distress, or need. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read those things, what it tells me is this. The, from a Hebrew perspective, Av is not a fun month. As a matter of fact, to the Jews, Av is a month of distress. Av is when Satan intimidated Israel to turn back in unbelief instead of entering the land. At the Exodus, God brought Israel out of Egypt by his mighty power. At Passover, he broke the power of slavery and released them from the enemy's oppression. Then he opened up the Red Sea and he showed his faithfulness to them in the wilderness. He taught them at Mount Sinai and he revealed his glory. 
And then as they came to the month of Av, God brought them up to the border of the promised land. Twelve spies entered the land and searched it out. The spies brought back the fruit of the land for them to see and to taste. And they all agreed this land is just what God promised it to be. It's a wonderful land. But they only disagreed on one thing, and that was whether they could trust God to give them the land. Ten of the spies brought a negative report. They said, this is a wonderful land, but we cannot take the land because the enemies are too strong for us. Two spies brought back a positive report. They said, God will give us the land. God has not let us down yet. Let us move forward in faith and take the land. And on the ninth of Av, Israel had to choose between unbelief and belief. And they chose to listen to the voice of unbelief. God had opened the door to their future, but they refused to go through. When they heard the negative report from the ten spies, it seemed like the walls closed in around them. Their future seemed cut off, overwhelmed with fear and unbelief. They did not see a way through. That's what it means to be in a time of dire straits. God had promised them the land, but instead of believing the promise and moving forward by faith, they shrunk back in fear. And on the ninth day of Av, Israel concluded, we cannot trust God to give us the land. Our enemies are too strong. We will all die. And so as a nation, they turn back from entering the land. And that choice to confess unbelief became a self-pronounced curse on the nation. You know, be careful what you say. Be careful what you allow to come out of your mouth uh, because the, you can curse yourself. And that can be a dreadful thing. Over and over through Israel's history, on the ninth of Av, that confession they made was fulfilled. Their enemies proved to be too strong for them, and many Jews died. That is called the ninth of Av curse. If you study the history of Israel, you see that year after year, many times. The ninth of Av, 587 BC, the armies of Babylon destroyed Solomon's temple. The ninth of Av, AD 70, the Romans destroyed the second temple. The ninth of Av, AD 135, the Jews were defeated by Rome and Jerusalem was destroyed. The ninth of Av, in 1095, the first crusade was launched and thousands of Jews were killed. The ninth of Av, in 1290, all the Jews were expelled from England. The ninth of Av, in 1492, all the Jews were expelled from Spain. The ninth of Av in 1942, the deportation of Jews from the Warsaw Ghetto to the death camps began. The ninth of Av in 2005, the expulsion of the Jews from Gaza began. Those are just a few examples, and they're not just a coincidence. It's the operation of a curse. Now, last year in our Av message, we talked about what that curse is like and how to break a curse. And if you feel like you're under a curse, you need to listen to that message because you don't have to stay under a curse. A curse can be broken. But what happened to Israel down through history on the ninth of Av is exactly what Israel had confessed. 
On the ninth of Av, they said, our enemies are too strong for us. We will die. And so on the ninth of Av, two million Israelites found themselves in dire straits. It was a narrow place that they needed to press through in faith, but they did not make it through. And because they did not make it through those dire straits, that generation missed their opportunity to enter into the promised land and really place themselves as a nation under a curse. And Satan will often try to bring God's people into dire straits in the month of Av. Av can be a very difficult month. The Jews also call Av the eye of the needle month. Now, what does that mean? In the ancient world, city gates were always closed at nightfall. But the gates usually had a small door called the eye of the needle. And through the eye of the needle, they could let people in or out one at a time after the gates of the city were closed. Now, sometimes a merchant would arrive after the gates were closed. His camel was burdened down with valuable merchandise to sell at the city market the next day. He didn't want to leave the camel outside. And so the question at the eye of the needle was, how could a camel get through? And there was a way. What they needed to do was take off all of the baggage that the camel was carrying. Then the camel had to get down on its knees. And when that happened, the camel could make it through the eye of the needle. So going through the eye of the needle means you are in a narrow place. But if you will humble yourself, if you'll get rid of your excess baggage, you can make it through. And so the eye of the needle month is a month to press through a narrow place. This is often the time of the year when Satan will try to intimidate you, to make you turn back in unbelief and forfeit your destiny. This is a make it or break it time. Now, some of you are in a narrow place right now. Things are happening in your life that you don't like. You're going to need to do some things you don't want to do. You're uncomfortable with the situation you're in. And Satan has come to you to fill you with fear and anxiety about the future. He wants you to turn back in unbelief. You look at what lies ahead and you say, how will I ever make it through? And like Israel at Kadesh Barnea, you feel like the walls are closing in around you. You feel like you have to press through a narrow place if you're going to enter God's promise. Now, if you have been in a narrow place this month, God wants you to know he has a way to bring you out of those dire straits and into his blessing. And so today we want to look at two people who made it through that narrow place and into the blessings of the promised land. The first of those was Caleb. See, not all Israel died in the wilderness. Out of two million people who left Egypt, Two people made it to the promised land. One of those was Caleb. He was one in a million. Now, I don't know of a better example of someone who diligently pressed through in faith than Caleb. How did Caleb make it when two million people died in the wilderness? Well, let's look at what happened when Israel's faith failed. The 12 spies set out from Kadesh Barnea and they searched out the land. They brought back the fruit of the land for everyone to see and taste. 
And they all said, yes, this is a wonderful land. This is just what God promised it would be. There was only one problem, giants. When they came to Hebron, they saw the Anakim. Now the Anakim were a race of giants that stood nine to 10 feet tall. The giant Goliath was one of the Anakim. And the armies of Israel were paralyzed with fear when they saw Goliath. But Hebron didn't just have one giant. It had an army of giants. Israel was terrified. They said, we felt like grasshoppers. And these giants were called Nephilim. The Jews believed the Nephilim were a half-human descendants of demons interbreeding with humans. No wonder their hearts melted. They, their faith failed. They said, well, we cannot come up against that. We cannot take this land. But in the midst of all of that terror, one man stood up in faith. We call him Caleb. But his friends just called him Mad Dog. See, that's what the word Caleb means. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia said Caleb means raging with canine madness. The Zondervan Bible Encyclopedia said Caleb is a man with canine qualities, the rabid one, biting and snarling. See, Caleb was like a mad dog. He had a fearless tenacity. He fixed his eyes on the goal and would not turn back. He would not allow himself to be discouraged or distracted or intimidated. I think God liked that. Caleb saw the giant standing against him. And he said, let me at him. Caleb had faith to enter in. In Numbers 14, 9, when the other uh, um, spies had given their negative report, Caleb said, do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. I think that's Hebrew for we're going to eat them for lunch because the Lord is with us. But the people refused to go in. They turned back in unbelief, went into the wilderness, and Caleb's promise was postponed. For 40 years, Caleb wandered in the wilderness along with the rest of the nation, waiting while the unbelieving generation died off. And finally, the window of opportunity came around again. God directed Israel back to the promised land, and they conquered it. They went in, they conquered everything but the hill country where the giants were. And so Caleb was not satisfied. Forty-five years earlier, God had promised him that hill country where the giants were, and that promise was not yet fulfilled. And so when the time came to divide up the land, Caleb said, the Lord has let me live these 45 years. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me out. Now then, give me this hill country and I will drive them out. And that's exactly what he did. Caleb obtained the promise. At 85 years old, Caleb killed the Nephilim. He took the land and left it as an inheritance for his children. How did Caleb do that? Well, Numbers 14, 24 says, My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, I will bring him into the land, and his descendants will take possession of it. See, Caleb had a different spirit. 
Others drew back in fear, but Caleb rose up in faith. Forty-five years had passed, but it wasn't too late. When Caleb got to the land, he was still as strong as he had been at 40. See, God gave him supernatural strength. Isaiah 40 says, those that wait on the Lord will gain new strength. I think God restored his youth. Psalm 103 says that's one of the benefits of God. God will restore your youth. For Caleb, 85 was the new 40. And he said, let me take out those giants. And because of the nation's unbelief, Caleb had to wait 45 years. But he did not miss his destiny. And God wants you to know if you are wholehearted after him, if you're willing to be tenacious and press in without reserve or hesitation, it's never too late. And at 85 years old, Caleb defeated the giants. Caleb finally made it out of those dire straits. Now there's someone else who made it through those dire straits, and it was a Canaanite prostitute named Rahab. I love the story of Rahab. Here's two million Israelites who shrunk back in fear and died in the wilderness. But a Canaanite prostitute made it through and inherited God's promise. The book of Joshua tells us that when the Hebrew spies were sent into the city of Jericho, they went to the house of Rahab the prostitute. I think that raises an obvious question. I wondered about this for years. Why were two Hebrew spies set out on a mission for God, staying in the house of a prostitute. And then one day God began to speak to me about it. See, I believe God led them to Rahab. They went into that enemy stronghold looking for a safe place to stay. And God said, turn here, go down this street, there, this is the house. The spy said, God, are you sure? God, do you know what kind of house this is? And God said, I brought you here for a purpose. There's someone here you need to meet. This is a divine appointment. And so the spies stay at the house of Rahab the prostitute. Rahab recognizes who they are. She hid them. She misdirected the authorities who came looking for them. And it was, when it was safe for the spies to leave, Rahab told them why she had been so help, helpful. She said that she had heard what God had done for Israel at the Red Sea. Now that had happened 40 years earlier. Rahab probably was not even born at the time. But Rahab had heard about it and had waited for the day when the Israelites would show up in Canaan. I think Rahab thought to herself, that God, that God that parted the Red Sea must be the true God. I want to know that God. I want to stand with his people. And so Rahab demonstrated amazing faith. Two million Israelites had seen God part the Red Sea, and yet they listened to the bad report and chose the path of unbelief. They said, God cannot give us the land. But Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute, heard what God had done, and she chose to believe. Rahab concluded that the God of Israel must be the God 
of heaven and earth. And she had faith that God was going to give the land of Canaan to Israel. She said, that's the kind of God I want to follow. And she chose to be aligned with him. See, the ten spies refused to believe God. But Rahab rose up in faith. Rahab took a huge risk to do, to do that. Her decision to align with the God of Israel could have cost her her life. If the king of Jericho had discovered that she had protected the spies, he would have had her killed. But even knowing that, Rahab chose to be on the side of God. Faith for Rahab meant turning her back on everything in her past. It meant leaving behind her city, her religion, her culture, and her friends. She was willing to do all of that to know God. See, what really happened, Rahab was pressing through the eye of the needle. She was laying aside all of her baggage to make it through. Now, why is it important to make it through the eye of the needle? It's because on the other side of that eye is your future. You sometimes have to press through a very narrow place to enter into God's blessing. And when the spies showed up at her door, Rahab found herself in a narrow place. She was in the dire straits. She knew what God had done for Israel. She believed God would give Israel the land, but she also knew that protecting the spies could cost her everything. I'm sure she was tempted to shrink back in fear and turn the spies away. But Rahab, an idol-worshiping Canaanite prostitute, made it through the dire straits. And when she turned from her past and chose to stand with the God of Israel, God accepted her. And more than that, God honored her. God restored her purity. She got to live in the promised land as a member of God's holy people and experience God's blessing. Rahab chose God at the risk of her life. And because of that, God chose Rahab. God said, that's the kind of woman I want to have in the line of Messiah. And so Rahab lived in the promised land. She married into the tribe of Judah. Her son was Boaz, who married Ruth. Her great-great-grandson was David. And eventually one of her descendants would be Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah of Israel the Savior of the world. And in the very first chapter of the New Testament, God recorded Rahab's name for all eternity as an ancestor of the Messiah. That's called grace. Now, how did Rahab make it through the narrow place when the ten spies couldn't? How could Rahab operate in faith when two million Israelites fell into unbelief? I believe there was only one thing, and that was this. Rahab remembered. She remembered what God had done. She said, your God opened up the Red Sea. Now see, the ten spies were so consumed by fear, they were not even thinking about what God had done for them already. But God wanted them to remember. God wants you to remember what God has done for you. You know, last month was what the Jews call the film strip month. 
It was a month to look back at the events of your life and see how God has led you. Because God says he's working out a good and perfect plan for your life. If you love God and are walking with him, he says he's working all things together for your good. Now, the film strip month was a month to look back and see how God has been working in your life. It was the time to think about the blessings God has brought you and to praise God for them. And see, if the 10 spies had done that, they would have made it through. If they had looked at the film strip, they would have remembered the Red Sea parting. Their faith would have been increased. They would have brought back a good report. They would have said, yeah, there are some giants in the land, but I remember what God did at the Red Sea. Surely he will give us the land. The 10 spies did not remember, but Rahab did, and she made it into the blessing. And so as we move through Av, review your film strip again. Remember what God has done. Make a list of the times God has brought you through narrow places in the past. Remember those times and be thankful and let faith arise. Remember what God has done so you can make it through the dire straits this month. Now it's important to God that we remember what he has done. That's why we have the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. That's why we have Passover. It's a time to remember that we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb out of the hand of the enemy. That's why we have Pentecost. That's why we have tabernacles. You know, when Israel crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, God says, make a pile of stones there on the shore. So when you see it, you'll remember. This is where God brought us into the land. And you know, that's a good example to follow. It's a good pattern. When God does something in your life, establish a memorial so you'll remember it. Years ago, we had some good friends. They lived in a very small house, but their family was growing. They needed more space. And so they started to pray for God to allow them to move into a larger house. We prayed with them, but they, didn't, they really could not afford the kind of house they needed. But then the day came when God worked in a miraculous way to get them into their dream home. They got the kind of house, they got the very house they had been praying for. And so they moved in. And they moved in on the 3rd of July. And so on the 4th of July, there they were in their dream home. God had worked miraculously. God had gotten them a place they didn't think they could ever get. And they celebrated. Their house was just stacked full of boxes because they just moved in. And so for dinner that night, they put the food on a big cardboard box and ate together celebrating the goodness of God. But then every year after that, on the 4th of July, they had a big picnic and they invited all of their friends and they had the food placed on a big cardboard box in the middle of the yard and they shared the testimony of what God had done for them and how God had gotten them into that house. And it was a release of faith for them, for everyone there. God says he wants us to do things like that. Make a memorial, remember what God has done so you'll have faith for the future. As you go through the month of Av, 
Think back to other times you have been in a narrow place. Think about the times you did not see how you could get through. But then remember how you called out to God and he delivered you. Then move forward in faith knowing that the God who delivered you in the past will deliver you in the future. If you choose to remember, you can make it through the narrow place. You can rise up in faith and enter in. You can come out of the dire straits and enter God's promised land blessing this month. Lord, we thank you that the month of Ab is not just a time of dire straits. It's a time when you want just to rise up in faith, to move through that narrow place, to move into a place of your blessing, to experience your goodness. So Lord, I pray for each one who's listening right now, Lord, that an anointing of faith would be released to them, that they would remember all of the good things you've done in the past. There'd be faith to move forward into the future. Lord, that this would be a time to break out of dire straits and move into your promised land blessing. I just bless everyone listening. Thank you. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank all of you for joining us today. Wasn't that a great message? That was one of the most timely messages we could ever hear for this season. So thank you, Robert, for uh, getting before the Lord and bringing the message that we needed. In fact, this whole morning has just been exactly on target with what we've needed from Chuck's introduction, the dance, the worship, the prophetic words, the testimony. Up until Robert's message, the Lord has been giving us His Word that we need for this season. I'm so thankful that our voice has not been shut down during this time when uh, attempts are being made other places to shut down the voice of the Lord and the voice of Holy Spirit. And I want to remind you, you have a voice. You have a word. You have a testimony. You may have a prophetic word for somebody. Let your voice be heard during this season of Av. And as we're coming out of the dire straits, let your worship go up. My goodness, every year I am so thankful when we finally finish the dire straits and I set my face toward a lull when the king is in the field. So let your voice be heard this week, whatever it is, whether it's a prayer, a praise, a testimony, let your voice be heard. And we'll see you again next week. Remember, it will be online only again next week. Pray for us as we finish up all the renovations in the building so it will be ready. It will be a whole new place when we come back in. God bless you. Have a great day.